A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. So. You can hear her clearly, even in a barn full of cows. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. And welcome to a Monday. Boy, the weekend brought some heavy weather for a lot of farm states around the United States. And you've got absolutely record-breaking heat occurring in the Pacific Northwest. As you might imagine, markets this morning paying attention to that and the fact that the U.S. Department of Agriculture's acreage report comes out later this week. How are you doing, everybody? I'm Farm Director Pam Yankee. Greetings to you as we say hello on the final Monday of June. For today, it looks like we've got a possibility of showers in the forecast. 77 are expected high with overnight lows down to 68. Tomorrow, again, another chance of showers, maybe even a thunderstorm. 80 degrees are expected high. Wednesday, cloudy skies, 83, and then more rain building back in the forecast later this week. Stumach will break it down region by region across the state when he joins us in about 15 minutes. Rural Mutual Insurance is a proud sponsor of the Wisconsin State Fair. As a thank you for your support, they're giving away State Fair tickets. Visit RuralMutual.com slash win and enter to win State Fair tickets. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Whether it's a lot or a little, we need your rainfall reports. The Rural Mutual Rainfall Report is on. Text your rainfall reports to 877-301-FARM. That's 877-301-3276. Be sure and include your name and where you're reporting from because every month we'll pick a winner for a digital weather station courtesy Rural Mutual Insurance. Premiums paid here, stay here to keep Wisconsin strong. Text those rainfall reports to 877-301-FARM. Farm. Boy, we're talking about it nonstop, and it's not the pandemic. Broadband internet access. You know, the governor was down at uh, Rebout Dairy in Janesville finding out about how dependent farmers are every day for the internet. It's a story that not a lot of people know about. Fabulous farm babe Pam Yankee here at the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. And right now we're kind of doing whatever we can to catch the attention, especially down at the state capitol when it comes to the needs of rural Wisconsin. You think the message is getting through, Bob? I hope it's getting through because broadband is needed. You don't have to go very far out of some major cities, and there is no broadband. Uh, And broadband, while we have Internet, and Wi-Fi, but the broadband is the key to allow us to do more things on the internet, like educate our kids. The governor does have a task force put together. We talked to a member of that task force here at, uh, well, close to the northern end of the world's longest barn, where we are in Eau Claire. Chris Meyer is with Marshfield Clinic in the Marshfield area. He's uh, had a career in IT, so he knows this industry. We talked to him about broadband around the state, getting enough funding, getting it put together, what it takes. We ask him what the specific goal or mission of this task force is regarding broadband. One of the important things that we're clearly advocating for is the expansion of broadband. And that's because so many people have come to need and use and really like telehealth um, during the COVID-19 national pandemic. Telehealth, in its very simplest form, is using technology to connect a patient and a provider who are separated by geographic distance. 
pandemic, we've been able to do that via telephone, um, which arguably is a great service, especially if you don't have broadband and can't do a telehealth visit. But it's limiting in what we can do because we can only talk with you. Most telehealth visits are done over video, um, but that requires you to have Internet access and sufficient Internet access to run that video visit. Um, and in rural areas of Wisconsin, that's seriously lacking. Cell signals are weak. Uh, broadband is not readily available in a lot of locations. And that creates access problems to healthcare when you're trying to access it virtually. The Governor's Broadband Task Force was formed last year in an effort to put together a plan on how we will expand broadband services throughout the state of Wisconsin. Uh, for a number of years, the Public Service Commission has awarded grants to communities and Internet service providers across the state to expand their broadband services. And Marshall Clinic has worked with those communities to talk about the role of healthcare and the need for broadband in patient homes. That's really how uh, I, as a member of Marshall Clinic's um, telehealth team, got looped into the Governor's Broadband Task Force. It was our previous work with the Public Service Commission. How wide a scope is the task force taking as far as ways to get broadband out into some of these underserved areas, Chris? So the broadband's main, main focus is, is determining, uh, putting together a plan for how it is we make sure we're putting in technology and funding technology projects that have the best long-term value to the state. And what that means is that when you don't have any internet service, there are things that can be put in place, like six-point wireless, which is a great solution if you don't have um, internet service. In fact, many people who are listening probably get their internet service off their neighbor's silo, who has a dish that repeats off another silo. That's fixed-point wireless. Um, But that is limited in its future growth. And we know that the need for internet access today is going to be um, greater than it was yesterday, but it's also going to be greater tomorrow than it is today. And we want to have technologies that can accommodate and grow over the long term. So things like fiber optic uh, backhauls, um, putting in fiber optic cables to homes are things we want to encourage, but those are also very much more expensive. And so we need to figure out and have a a, a way to prioritize putting fiber in the ground, for example, over fixed-point wireless, but also not doing so in such a way that it prevents a small community who has no other option but fixed-point wireless from being successful in applying for a grant. The final report from the committee will be out uh, in early July, uh, and of course we're dealing with the governor's broadband uh, or the governor's budget, which includes additional funding for broadband. And so hopefully it's perfect timing to make sure that we're applying the new ways of thinking about broadband expansion to the award of grants that will be happening here uh, over the next uh, several months. One of those new areas, Chris, seems to be a program called SpaceX's Starlink, a constellation of low-Earth orbit satellites. And I know those programs are starting to get out in some areas. What's the hope or what's the expectation with uh, using these uh, satellites rather than other ways to get the broadband and Internet out to the rural areas? Yeah, so what Starlink has done is is really quite amazing. Um, When we think about Internet service, we either think of a cellular connection through our, uh, our smartphone or maybe uh, the service we get at our house through our cable company or our telephone uh, uh, telephone provider. Um, SpaceX is uh, a a space company. Obviously, we we watch their rockets get launched into space, and they have a division called Starlink. And Starlink uh, has been launching satellites uh, for the last year and a half or so. And these are low-Earth orbiting satellites, and that's important because they're physically closer to the ground than their normal satellite is. And one of the biggest barriers of satellite Internet service, which has existed for a long time, is that it's very slow. And it's very slow because usually you can download data from the satellite, but you have to upload or push data out through your phone line. 
with these low Earth orbiting satellites, it's bi-directional. You, you communicate both directions, both sending and receiving through the satellite, and it's fast enough that telehealth and video conferencing is possible. That's not possible with satellite internet connections prior to Starlink. It's also um, available on every corner of the state of Wisconsin, meaning that if you're in the middle of, of the national forest and you need to have internet service, Starlink can provide that. Now, it is not inexpensive. It's around $100 per month and requires a $500 antenna, but it's the first solution we've had anywhere in the world that can get its internet service really at any geographic location in our state. And Starlink has made the commitment that they're going to be able to provide internet service at the North Pole, the South Pole, and every spot in between by the end of 2022. As we look at that, the cost, we can't pay for it all through government grants. Are we looking with the governor's task force, private-public partnerships? How are we looking to pay for this? Yeah, it's a good question because most of the grants that have been awarded to the Public Service Commission have been exactly that. They've been public-private partnerships. In most cases, it's a community working with their, their telecommunications provider to put together a joint application. And, and usually they're requesting some amount of funding from the Public Service Commission to pair with the communities, um, maybe uh, funding from their general tax revenues uh, or the county, um, financial contributions from the, um, the vendor who's doing the installation. They're um, receiving grants to offset that cost. And so this has very much been a public-private partnership, and you're right. That's the only way we're going to move this forward. There's not enough money in the federal government's coffers to, to fix the broadband problem without it being a joint effort between the government, the carriers, and the communities that need the service as well. How will we identify which areas in Wisconsin need Starlink or which ones can be wired in or... You know, there's a lot of decisions that have to be made as far as what will work where. You're right, and a lot of different factors come into play there. Geography, um, how, 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 how high is your, um, your bedrock, right? If you get up in northern Wisconsin, you're blasting to put cables in the ground, and that becomes much more expensive. Uh, figuring out the right solution is what the Governor's Broadband Task Force is trying to, to create a process for. Because, again, in some cases, the best solution maybe isn't the ideal solution, but it's the right solution. We want to make sure that those projects can still be funded. But overall, we're, we are looking at every corner of the state. And for a number of years, there have been maps that show where broadband uh, access is available and where it's not. Those maps are wildly inaccurate. Um, they're essentially uh, computed using U.S. census blocks. And if one person in that census block has uh, Internet service, then the entire block shows as having Internet service available. So if you're out in the countryside and you're in a, a section of a township and a farmer on the southwest corner that has Internet service, the assumption is everybody else in that section has uh, Internet service. And we know that's not the case. And so those maps have not been very useful uh, for determining where there's coverage. And, and that's one of the things the Broadband Task Force has, has recommended as well, is creating new maps that are more accurate and more granular so we can determine which houses do have service and which ones do not, and what services are available at those specific physical addresses. So again, these are things that are going to take a long time to really build out and, and get in place, but they're really important steps to be taking so that we can make smart decisions about where we're applying those government dollars down the road. Time, of course, is of the essence, as we learned this year with the COVID pandemic and shutting down schools, and uh, you work in the medical field, you saw the needs there of... Uh, you know, who can come in and who can't come into a facility. How much has this put an urgency on the task force to come up with these answers and come up with these solutions? 
Well, you know, the task force really came out of the pandemic. Um, telehealth exploded, obviously, over the last 18 months or so. And, and the need for more broadband uh, was never more evident. And so the Governor's Broadband Task Force really came about uh, because of the, the COVID response. But you're right. Um, telehealth isn't just for uh, times when we have a public health emergency and a global pandemic. Uh, telehealth is and always has been a way that you can get better, more convenient access to your care. It may be that you just have more frequent check-ins with your doctor to manage your chronic illness. Uh, but more often, it means you don't have to drive across the state to see your doctor. Um, remember, um, most health systems in Wisconsin are, are rural in nature, just like Marshfield Clinic. We serve a huge geographic area. The doctor is in one spot, and rarely is the patient in the same town. And so the patient gets in their car and drives, often taking a day off of work, um, having to arrange somebody to pick up kids from school, uh, and many times having to take that day off of work unpaid. There are a lot of additional costs around traveling to receive your health care services. And telehealth is a way that we can reduce those costs for the patients and increase access and compliance with your care plan. Um, if you're a chronically ill patient and you're not coming to the doctor because it's inconvenient, it's not surprising that you probably won't do as well with your chronic illness management. The challenge continues. Broadband, get it expanded and get it to all people all over the country, as well as just across the state of Wisconsin. Chris Mayer with us to talk about it. Chris with the Marshfield Clinic and also a member of the Governor's Broadband Task Force. I'm Bob Bolsover. What weather is in store for the Midwest today? Stay tuned as ag meteorologist Stu Muck gives you the latest forecast in just moments, right here on the Midwest Farm Report. You rarely think about it, and it often goes unnoticed until your basement or building floods. A reliable sump pump can be a lifesaver, preventing flooding by detecting water levels and pumping the water back outside, away from your home or business. If your sump pump isn't functioning, contact your friends at Benjamin Plumbing. They can replace your existing sump pump, floats, and check valves. They'll even upgrade your current system to include a battery backup system. The battery makes sure your system continues to work in the event of a power outage. Away from home? Receive pump activation alerts on your smart device. Enjoy peace of mind and improve the value of your property with an upgraded sump pump from Benjamin Plumbing. Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses, I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com. Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business. Benjamin Plumbing. When it comes to putting a room together, I'm brilliant. No idea where you come up with these things. You didn't put the room together. I can just scribble an idea down on a piece of paper and voila! You drew the room and handed it to a lazy boy interior designer. I don't know how I do it. These ideas just come to me. Your idea was to go to lazy boy. That's all anyone has to do. I mean, I'm not bragging. You're totally bragging. But a little planning and you could have a home that looks like this. Anybody can do that. It just takes a simple meeting with a lazy boy interior designer designer it takes about an hour then they take it from there it just feels good to have it all come together like this i can finally put my feet up and relax you've had your feet up the whole time it's time to order your custom designs for summer delivery lazy decorators love lazy boy home furnishings and decor madison east springs drive near east town mall
Hang on to your tractors. Here's another update. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. It is amazing how clumsy I can get on a Monday especially. Time to talk weather. Brought to you by our friends at Compure Financial. Joining us live this morning, our man, Stumach Ag Meteorologist. Not a bad weekend uh, for a lot of folks in the state of Wisconsin. I don't think we had anything in the way of uh, severe weather or real heavy weather, as opposed to those poor folks farther south and even neighboring state Michigan, huh? Yeah, they had severe weather and a lot more rain in the south. I'm looking at the Pacific Northwest, have a niece and nephew and family out in the Seattle area. Well over 100 degrees again out there today. That makes our day look pretty mild, no doubt there. There is a little rain, some scattered, really light rain, right near the southern Wisconsin border, northeast Illinois this morning, over southern Lake Michigan as well. There may be a sprinkle in the far southeast part of the state early because there's a warm front that extends all the way from all around Kansas, up across central, call it the northern third of Illinois into northern indiana that warm front's going to push a bit further north today and there's a reason i'll talk about rain chances for all of us a scattered shower could be a thunderstorm developing at late this morning lasting into the night that rain chance lasting into early tuesday could mean a little measurable rain especially off into western and parts of central wisconsin i'll have forecast details right after this compere financial helped us get into our forever home they helped me expand more than acreage and helped our dairy grow for the next generation. At Compure Financial, we see potential in every plan. Our focus on exceptional client experience is at the heart of everything we do, and our financial team will help make every step easy and convenient. See why our clients trust us to make their goals possible. Compure Financial ACA is an equal opportunity lender and equal opportunity provider. And MLS number 619731, copyright 2021, all rights reserved. BadgerBean.com puts the Wisconsin soybean farmer first, and it's your place to go for the latest soybean news and research from leading industry experts. Simple, easy-to-access resources for the betterment and advancement of a sustainable soybean industry right here in Wisconsin. BadgerBean.com, an invaluable tool constantly updated for Wisconsin soybean farmers. For info and the latest updates, find us on Facebook and visit BadgerBean.com today. Alrighty, Stu, let's have those details. All right, our details in our Compure Financial Ag Weather Forecast is for a mostly cloudy sky today. As we head toward midday, that chance of a scattered shower or an isolated thunderstorm popping up, tenth of an inch or less shouldn't be much today. Upper 70s in the east and south, low 80s further west and north. Oh, Claire could be close to 84 today with a southeast wind about 5. Mostly cloudy, a late-night shower or thunderstorm. Talking midnight or later, a nighttime low in the mid and upper 60s. Southeast winds at 5. Scattered showers and storms tomorrow with that front in southeast Wisconsin. Uh, further into the west and central parts of the state, like I've said, could be up to a quarter inch, maybe a half for a few scattered areas. Temps still in the upper 70s and low 80s tomorrow. Southwest winds 5 to 10. Even Wednesday, a midday or afternoon scattered shower or storm. A little better chance of some sun. Low to mid-80s on Wednesday, Pam. And just a northwest breeze. The sun is one we're all kind of excited about. Not expect Wednesday, Thursday. Better chances to see the glowing sun. Oh, all right. Sun back in the forecast. Sounds good. Thanks, Stu. We'll talk to you tomorrow. All right. See you then. 
Stumach is our ag meteorologist with the weather details that you're looking for. And don't forget your ag weather update today brought to you courtesy Compure Financial. Compure Financial is your financial partner committed to agriculture and rural America. You can find out more at Compure.com. Today we've got uh, some essential workers marching down at the state capitol. You want to follow along with the details? Our own Stephanie Hoff from Thorpe is going to be there. Follow at Fabulous Farm Babe on Facebook. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. This is Jeff Dunn from Dunn's Import in Middleton. Let's talk about the 100,000-mile syndrome. All cars get it. Many systems last 100,000 miles, and then they need replacing. Timing belts, water pumps, valve cover gaskets, spark plugs, etc. This is a two dollars to $4,000 time frame in most cars' lives. Sometimes it starts at 90, sometimes it starts at 120, but it always happens. If you're buying used, keep this in mind when it comes to price and value. Call Dunn's Import in Middleton for a buyer's inspection first. Hey, check the grill. The game's coming on. It's time to turn those Johnson Sausage Brats. And what a deal. You buy five packages at $6 each, and you get a package free. Pick up burgers, roasts, chops, and Wisconsin's finest cheese at Johnson's Sausage Shop in Ryle. They're perfect for cooking out or eating in. Add your favorite beer, wines, or liquor, and eat deliciously. See johnsonsausage.com. Brats are ready. Johnson's Sausage Shop in Ryle. The Madison Police Department and Madison Area Crime Stoppers need your help with a strong-armed robbery investigation. On Wednesday, May 19th, officers were dispatched to the area of Muirfield Road and Tempe Drive for the report of a strong-armed robbery. The 16-year-old victim was walking to their grandmother's house when a red Ford Fusion began following them. Two suspects exited the vehicle and attempted to forcefully take the victim's cell phone and money. A third suspect remained in the vehicle. One suspect is described as a white male, approximately 5'5", wearing a gray jumpsuit and white shoes. The second suspect is a black male, approximately 5'10", with short dreads, wearing a black shirt, jeans, and a face mask. If you have any information regarding this incident, please contact the Madison Police Department at 255-2345. If you wish to remain anonymous, please contact Madison Area Crime Stoppers at 266-6014 or on the web at p3tips.com. When you choose from several options, you're likely going to save money. That's what a family-owned, independent insurance place like ours can do. When other companies offer you only one solution, Madison's Prairie Land Insurance Agency offers you a wide array of personalized, affordable options. Is your current policy really the best? Talk to Prairie Land Insurance Agency, your local, independent, home and auto insurance agency. For your free insurance review, call 251-3009. Prairie Land Insurance Agency. Our Our best best is the the very least least we can do. do. This looks like a car. Has tires. Headlights, a hood. Windshield wipers. The doors look like car doors. Open like them, too. There's a front seat, back seat, steering wheel. 99.9% of the time, this would be a car. But it's not. This is a bedroom. Anita Washington's for five weeks. There are people like Anita all across Dane County. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, we'll provide Anita and other women, children, and men with nearly 20,000 nights of shelter. Just one part 
of more than $1.4 million in food, clothing, furniture, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. If you've been injured, an insurance company may tell you their offer is final. At Clifford and Rihala, our experienced attorneys often find the so-called final offers are unfair. In one recent case, our client suffered a traumatic brain injury and spinal fractures. The insurance company made a final offer. We told them our client deserved much more. We then assembled our team of doctors, including a brain injury specialist who has worked with an NFL football team here in the Midwest. Clifford and Rihala proved our experience and commitment to getting clients the justice they deserve. And the result? While every case is different, that insurance company paid our client a settlement nearly two times the amount of their original final offer. For relentless dedication to helping you and your family, choose Clifford and Rihala, hardworking, skilled attorneys fighting for you. For justice, myjustice.com. This is the story of Daniel, who was born two months early. His lungs weren't ready. His heart wasn't ready. His parents could only hope that one day he would leave the hospital healthy and they would all live happily ever after. Daniel's is just one of the more than 500,000 stories of babies born prematurely last year. You can help the March of Dimes stop premature birth and bring more babies home healthy. Learn how at marchofdimes.com. Working together for stronger, healthier babies. Great out well through the summer for us. Wow. I feel like it would be kind of like awkward when he comes back. Like, hey, guys. I'm back. Here, it's me, Aaron Rodgers. I know you guys have been practicing all summer. Here I am. I feel like it'd be like kind of weird. Be like, yo, dude, what's going on here? Like, you just kind of bailed on us all summer. Maybe that's just me, Rob, and we'll see what happens. But something else would be kind of weird would be seeing Jordan Love being the, you know, week one starter. I was reading uh, your article at Forbes.com. I know you, you did a little bit ago, but there's not been much Packers news, obviously, because they're done until what, late July? So, Jordan Love, he's preparing like he's the week one starter, yeah? Yeah, and, and then you're right. There's not going to be a lot of news and theory over the next four weeks or so. Everybody's on summer vacation right now, and, um, and, and and the writers try to get a little bit of a break right here. But he absolutely is a have-to evil. You know, and, and Matt LaFleur said that, I think it was last Wednesday or Thursday, as LaFleur was, was wrapping up kind of the, the final mini camp and, and getting away for his summer. You know, he kind of gets about three weeks of a summer vacation before he's back in mid-July cranking and getting ready for training camp. But, but he said, you know, somebody asked him, what's your advice to, to Jordan Love here as, you know, as we head into the summer? And he said, you need to prepare like you're the starter. And, and I, think, I think that's exactly what they need to do over there, Evo. There, there's not going to be two playbooks. There's not an Aaron Rodgers playbook and a Jordan Love playbook. There's, there's one playbook. And, and whether that's Rodgers running that playbook, whether that's Jordan Love, whether a trade happens and that's somebody who's not in Green Bay at this current time, I guess is, is always still a possibility too. But Evo, I, you know, I, I think the chances are, are at least 50-50 Jordan Love is under center week one when this team goes to New Orleans. Again, I, I'm with you 100% on, you know, when, when you just made the comment, it's going to be weird for Rodgers to come back and just kind of say, hey, I'm, I'm here, guys. That's not how Aaron Rodgers rolls. And, you know, Green Bay has all the leverage right now. Evo, I don't know what Aaron Rodgers' next move is um, in in this in this whole chicken or chess game, whatever you want to call it. I don't know that he has a move necessarily, but I know Aaron Rodgers well enough. 
that he doesn't kind of come back and with his head between his tail. That's kind of Rogers' role. That's not how he's going to roll in this situation. And it leads me to believe more and more, Evo, that, that he's, you know, as dug in as he is, he's going to hold firm. This thing's going to drag along uh, probably into September. And, and what his next move is at that point in time, that I, I, I guess we'll find out whether that's demanding a trade at that point in time, whether it's making other demands inside the organization. And, and, and instead of sending out his minion, Bebo, um, you know, to, to, to kind of spread the word and, and spread his message, he actually has the courage to go and do it himself because he's going to have to do that at some point in time if he is this dug in and he doesn't show up, you know, for training camp on the 27th and, and eventually then if the season creeps closer if he's not there for week one. Yeah, Rob Reichel joining us right now, Forbes.com. Check his work out there. Also, Twitter at Rob Reichel. So, Rob, another thing that um, I was on uh, – a podcast last night with a friend of mine, and we were talking about, like, okay, what happens if Devontae Adams leaves? Because he feel like he's kind of tied to Aaron Rodgers. Devontae Adams, only one year left in his contract. And Devontae kind of alluded to that, you know, uh, what, a couple days ago, uh, saying that, like, yeah, like, Rodgers, I'm watching the situation, but I don't want to talk contract stuff right now. Uh, what should the Packers, I mean, obviously be trying everything in their power to get Devontae Adams back, but let's say Rodgers does get traded somewhere. Rodgers does, like, retire, worst-case scenario. What happens with Devontae Adams? Well, that's another part of this mystery, obviously, Evo. Keep in mind, and I think, you know, before Packer fans run to a bridge to jump off, (laughs) there will be some remarkable developments if Aaron Rodgers eventually moves along. And even Devontae Adams, Evo, just in terms of the salary cap money that will get freed up and the draft picks that will come back to Green Bay. You know, Rodgers is not going to retire, Evo. I, I think there's a lot of scenarios that could happen here. I don't think retirement is one of them. This guy still wants to play another four or five years. He wants to chase another ring. He watched what happened with Tom Brady once he went to Tampa Bay and kind of restarted his career and, um, you know, got everything that he wanted and liked in Tampa Bay. Rogers would love a landing spot just like that. Um, I don't think he'll get one because the Packers won't allow him to kind of leverage that Tom Brady wound up having. But Aaron Rodgers is not going to retire, is my point there, Evo. And if mm-hmm. he goes away uh, via trade, they're going to get back, you know, like, like we've talked about, probably four draft picks at least in the top two rounds and a player or two. And in the process, Evo, they're going to pick up $35 million in cap room. If Devontae Adams eventually wants to go away, Evo, and sign somewhere else, they're going to pick up a ton of cap room. From her mouth to the field's ears, this is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Well, hopefully the weather is going to cooperate for the hundreds, if not thousands, that are going to be at the state capitol today. It's the Immigrant Essential Workers March, 90 miles over nine days. They started in Milwaukee. They'll wrap up today in downtown Madison at the Capitol. Our team is going to be there bringing you the updates, and we've got more on that in just a moment. I'm PM Yankee. Now, from the Countryside Landmark Farm News Desk, here's what's happening on a Monday. So, like I said, it is the last Monday of June, June 28th. On this day in 1865, there was a deadly tornado that tore through Viroqua, the, one of the deadliest tornadoes recorded in early Wisconsin history. 1865, 22 people were killed and at least 100 were injured in the community of Viroqua in west-central Wisconsin. On this day in 1846, the saxophone was patented. And happy birthday 
to comedian actor Mel Brooks, 95 years old, and Kathy Bates. She's 73. Happy birthday. Well, we don't know how happy they're going to be with the results, but they're on their way to the state capitol. Like I said, hundreds, if not thousands, of immigrant workers, along with their partners from across the state, making the point on simple things they need to get their job done. Number one, being a driver's license. That was the conversation Nick Lewandowski brought to us on Friday from Johnson Creek, where he explained why the Wisconsin Farmers Union is involved. Nick is the government relations manager for the Wisconsin Farmers Union. 75% of the, the cows that are milked in the U.S. are milked by undocumented immigrant workers, farm workers. And over half of the produce that's picked in the U.S. is picked by farm workers, undocumented immigrant farm workers. We don't eat without them, so we're here in solidarity with them, and we'll be marching some today and some tomorrow uh, on their trek to Madison. We have to stand in solidarity to do this. We have to work together to do this. Otherwise, it will not happen. Nick Lewandowski, he's the government relations manager with the Wisconsin Farmers Union, just one of the folks that was along with the marchers on Friday in Johnson Creek. Another person that was along, Tina Hinchley. She's a dairy farmer from Cambridge and a member of the Wisconsin Farmers Union, and she says that immigrant workers are some of the most reliable workers that Wisconsin agriculture looks to. I am a farmer that is part of 6,800 farms that are left in Wisconsin. Our economy is very, very volatile, and it has been for a while. As families have joined together, their farms have gotten bigger. And with that, 95% of all farms in Wisconsin are family-owned. But they cannot do it alone. They need help. And the work is grueling. And there's a lot of time that, even on my own farm, that I'm close to Madison. I can get high school help and college helpers. But really, a lot of our most reliable helpers are... Hispanic, and they can be undocumented. We need to make sure that there is a pathway for them to be able to get some citizenship, and they need to have a driver's license so that they can be safe and have some form of ID. These people that are working in our industry represent 11% of our our GDP in Wisconsin through the 80 percent that they're milking on the dairy farms. So 80% of all milk that is is milked from those cows is coming from farms that have immigrant labor. And many of those are undocumented. We need to make sure that we're taking care of them. They are essential workers. They're here with us, standing side by side, and they truly are farmers, just like us. They need to be respected. And I think it's very shameful that we cannot get this passed. It's it's one of the things that, as our families have come over from wherever you have come from, most of us are not Native Americans. We were all able to come through without fear and uh, getting persecuted for just living in Wisconsin. These people are essential. We need to make sure that we can get a better path for them going forward. Tina Hinchley, one of the dairy farmers, along with those essential immigrant workers marching to the state capitol today. Our team is going to be right along with them. We'll have more on that on our website, MidwestFarmReport.com, as well as Fabulous Farm Babe on Facebook. Follow the action there. Hey, could you stop in at the FSA office and turn in our 2021 Planted Acres report when you're in town? Yeah, uh, uh, when? Before five? In between work, dropping the kids off, picking up that part you needed, and stopping to grab the mineral mix you ordered from the feed mill? Uh, What if they have questions? 
They won't have any questions. It's all right here. See the red lines? Oh, yeah. The red Sharpie on the gray blobs are supposed to be witch fields. There has to be a better way. It is 2021 after all. Have you checked out TopCon's data management platform, TAP? I heard you could submit your planted acres report right from your computer. But we don't have any TopCon gear in our tractors. I heard you don't need any, and signing up is free. You can submit your 2021 planted acres report electronically using TAP and My Ag Data. Sign up is free, and TAP can handle your planting data from any of the major planter solutions available. Learn more at www.cropreporting.com. Are you ready to get moving again? So am I. I'm Pam Yonke inviting you to join me on another farm tour September 1st through the 10th to the Southwestern National Parks. We'll be visiting the Grand Canyon, Zion Canyon, and Bryce Canyon, and everything in between. You can email me for a brochure, pam at midwestfarmreport.com, or call Holiday Vacations in Eau Claire today, 888-557-1020 for all the information. Well, you've got to believe traders are paying attention to the weather rolling into a Monday trade session. You've got record-breaking heat in the Pacific Northwest, numbers we've never seen before, and then couple that with tremendous rainfall that hit states like Missouri, Michigan, causing flooding. I talked to a farmer in Hannibal, Missouri on Friday that had picked up six inches in one rain event. Uh, So I hope the markets are paying attention to weather anyhow. Don't forget USDA acreage report out later this week. In overnight trade, July corn's up six. December new crop right now up two and a half at 521 and three quarters. July soybeans are up a dime. November beans 12 and three quarters cents higher at 1282 and a half. The July wheat's up seven right now at 644 bushel. Barrel cheese on Friday dropped a penny to a dollar forty nine. Forty pound block cheese unchanged at one forty nine. Double A butter unchanged at one seventy one and three quarters per pound. Not a lot of action as far as fluid milk. July milk is uh, at sixteen sixty five. It closed eight cents stronger. August milk unchanged at sixteen sixty three after closing three cents higher. Congratulations, Dane County will host the next Alice in Dairyland selection. That's coming up in May 2022. They received the announcement from the Wisconsin Department of Ag, Trade, and Consumer Protection on Friday. More details, MidwestFarmReport.com. Fabulous Farm Babe on Facebook. Can't get enough farm news? The stories you hear and more 24-7 at MidwestFarmReport.com. Neon, day glow, flashing lights, special effects. Today's world puts our sense of sight on overload. Luckily, there are places we can go to refocus our senses. Our national wildlife refuges. It's a wonder how much you'll see once all the distractions fade away. You may see a lone eagle soaring past massive snow-capped mountains. Or a great horned owl perched stoically on a branch nearby. You may see the furry face of a baby sea otter curiously poking its head out of the dark blue sea, or ancient rocks shaped by centuries of wind. When you see these things, you're seeing the world the way we found it. With over 500 refuges across America, you don't have to go far to make a special connection with nature. Learn more at fws.gov refuges. That's fws.gov refuges. 
The Madison Police Department and Madison Area Crime Stoppers need your help with a strong-armed robbery investigation. On Wednesday, May 19th, officers were dispatched to the area of Muirfield Road and Tempe Drive for the report of a strong-armed robbery. The 16-year-old victim was walking to their grandmother's house when a red Ford Fusion began following them. Two suspects exited the vehicle and attempted to forcefully take the victim's cell phone and money. A third suspect remained in the vehicle. One suspect is described as a white male, approximately 5'5", wearing a gray jumpsuit and white shoes. The second suspect is a black male, approximately 5'10", with short dreads, wearing a black shirt, jeans, and a face mask. If you have any information regarding this incident, please contact the Madison Police Department at 255-2345. If you wish to remain anonymous, please contact Madison Area Crime Stoppers at 266-6014 or on the web at p3tips.com. If Mary had a little lamb, you can bet she'd talk to her about it. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. You know, we've been talking recently about a very important sustainability award that our Wisconsin dairy industry, along with our partners in various watershed organizations across the state, have received from the Center for Dairy Innovation. And joining me is one of the partners that is that three-legged stool, so to speak, of success, and that is Jim Wind from Cottonwood Dairy, but also from the Lafayette Ag Stewardship Association, which is a recently formed watershed in southwest Wisconsin. You know, Jim, you and I were talking. First of all, let's let's talk about Cottonwood Dairy. Give people a little perspective on your dairy operation and uh, everything that's going on down there. Sure, sure, Pam. Yeah, well, our dairy, uh, of course, the three of us guys that own the dairy are lifelong dairy farmers, but uh, back in 1998, we decided to uh, maybe modernize a little bit. Our farms were getting uh, a little... Uh, little used over the years so we decided to build a dairy uh we actually started with 600 cows and have grown in increments uh over the last well 22 what is it 22 years now or somewhere in that area and uh we we're at our uh, current size of about 1850 cows here at the dairy um we each each of the owners got their kind of niche in the in the operation uh and uh we one of the one of the partners is kind of the head of the crops. One's the head of the financial end of things, and I kind of take care of the dairy end of things. And and um, that's kind of where we uh, where we started uh, from uh, 1998 to where we're at today. So um, that gives a little glimpse. Uh, we got 35 employees. Um, we raise our own calves here, and then until uh, about six months of age, and then we take them down to Albany to a grower that does a great job for us and. Uh, and then they bring us back to them when they're uh, about a month away from freshening. Good to good to explain it that way because, like you heard Jim say, it's basically three dairy folks that came together to find success. And success can look different through a lot of different uh, glasses, I guess, Jim. And that's why I want to talk to you about this sustainability award. Every sure. day, I know that your priority is taking care of the cows and taking care of the ground. You know that that's just the way that farmers are. But what doesn't necessarily always cross your mind are phrases like sustainability. When did you really start getting engaged in that dairy sustainability conversation, Jim? Well, um, I had the privilege of uh, serving on the DBA board and the Edge Dairy Board, which I'm still a board member of the Edge Dairy Board. Um, so we 
we really was hitting it uh, in stride with them two groups. Uh, sustainability was getting to be a huge word. And um, I guess after uh, getting uh, talked uh, with my uh, executive director of DBA at the time, he said, hey, maybe it's time uh, for you guys down in your neck of the woods with uh, some of our uh, soils in our area that uh, we should probably get a group started. And that's kind of where our group started back in, well, actually, we started the summer of 2016. We have grown now to 32 members. Um, one of the things that I take great pride in, we've, being a, a larger dairy, we've always chopped a lot of corn silage. So we've been doing cover crops for many, many years, 15 plus years probably. But uh, when once we got our group started, you know, water quality was our focus. But um, we could see cover crops was coming in big at that time. And uh, once we started having a couple first our field events uh, uh, back in 2017 was our first, we really started pushing cover crops. And over the last two to three years in Lafayette County, it's just exploded in our area, people doing cover crops. And I think we were a huge part of that. I'm not saying we're the only part of it, but I think we were really, really a huge part of getting the people to see and other farmers to see what the benefits of cover crops are. Well, but it's interesting. You said 15 years ago you were doing it. Now all of a sudden it's become the rage. How did it feel when they started putting numbers to those practices, Jim? Because that really is what the Dairy Sustainability Award was all about. You take the Farmers for Sustainable Food, Grande Cheese Company, and then the Lafayette Ag Stewardship Alliance put it all together, and they came out with actual numbers that justified what you guys in your heart always knew. Well, exactly. Um, this, this, this is what's so great about this award that we got, and we're so thankful for uh, getting recognition for this. But um, we, we did catch the eye of our milk processor, um, uh, you know, wanted to do something in a milk shed, and they're the ones that approached me about this and uh, took it to our group, and everybody was uh, um, very, very warm and getting something going in our area. So that's that's uh, why we pursued it. We, we there's there's uh, you know you mentioned Lassa Farmers for Sustainable Food, Houston Engineering up in Minneapolis, Minnesota. They're the ones that are putting the numbers together for Southwest Tech, UW Madison, uh, and then the Nature Conservancy. They're really really helping. Uh, put all the numbers together. But, yeah, just if I may uh, just run a few things by by you. The 32 members for our 2020 numbers, what uh, the DACAP numbers show, on 55,305 acres, 79,000 dairy animals, beef, and swine, um, we we, uh, potentially prevented 75,700 pounds of phosphorus, 12,125 tons of soil erosion in 2020 alone. And for comparison, a mid-sized dump truck can carry 10 tons of sediment and one pound of phosphorus in a lake or stream, which which can grow up to 500 pounds of algae. That's the impact of our group. But I think we need to expand that to get more farmers involved. And I think that's the beauty of these groups. We were very, very fortunate when we started a group, we had two other groups in in the state of Wisconsin, Yahara Pride in Dane County and uh, Peninsula Pride up in Kiwani County. They kind of started, you know, definitely before us. So we learned a little bit from them guys. They were very, very beneficial in us getting off the ground. 
and that that's what it led led to. People have got to get involved. Other farmers have got to get involved with these uh, with these groups because they we can we're, the numbers the proof's in pudding. We, we, we're seeing we're seeing all the hard work we've done the last three or four years, which we've been doing for years and years, but we're putting numbers to it now. That's the real key to this. We're going to the fields in the in the spring and say, hey, you know, we're in the fall and we're putting our cover crops. Is this really pay? Well, we can see now with all the effort that Houston Engineering, Southwest Tech is putting these numbers together for us. Yeah, it's a big, big benefit to us. Jim Wynn's along with us. He's a dairy farmer down in Lafayette County. Uh, Cottonwood Dairy is where his cows are at. But more importantly, he is the president of the farmer-led Lafayette uh, Ag Stewardship Alliance. And like we said, talking about the Sustainability Award that they're receiving national recognition for, a collaboration of a lot of different groups, uh, but all coming to the same conclusion that these practices our Wisconsin dairy farmers are putting in place are paying off big time. And it's not just that... Uh, peace of mind that it gives you, Jim, and other landowners that decide on cover crops as part of their rotation. It also sounds like it turns out uh, to be a very good story that your partners like Grande Cheese can share with the suppliers of food to many of our grocery stores and tables. Well, I tell you, Pam, true sustainability is success only will be realized if the work is done in partnership across our industry and supply chain. Everybody's got to get in the feeling of this, and I think there's some great rewards for uh, agriculture down the road. Well, and the other thing I always hear from growers, sustainability has to involve economic productivity. And now it looks like you guys are one step closer to providing those actual details to convince anybody on the outside that those cover crops and those conservation practices definitely pay. Exactly. Soil, soil uh, preservation is, is it's, we all value our soil. And farmers are, we've always been stewards of the land. And this initiative broadens, broadens those efforts, increases data sharing among farmers, and unlocks greater innovation so that we continuously improve. That's the key. We always got to continuously improve. Boy, that is for sure. And that goes for a lot of us. Always got to continue to improve. Jim Wynn, just one of those cutting-edge farmers that's looking forward on what they can do as far as conservation practices, conservation tillage, and just making sure that they're taking care of that soil. And like we said, now it has turned into a story that we're sharing with food suppliers all across Wisconsin, all across the nation, as they look for more stories about what farmers are doing today to be sustainable for the future. Congratulations again to Farmers for Sustainable Food, Grande Cheese Company, Lafayette Egg Stewardship Alliance, and as Jim pointed out, many other partners that were involved, Southwest Tech, UW-Madison, Houston Engineering, everybody, the Nature Conservancy, everybody in 